صباح الخير جود مورنينج دير ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Yusuf, how you doing? What a busy month that we have just... Well, we're also very tired now that Palvimba has finished. Yes, uh, let's also start the show by saying uh, thank you to all our listeners and supporters uh, for uh, not being a little bit angry uh, about us, for not being able to produce uh, a couple of episodes, uh, but also to whoever uh, joined and supported and participated in Palvember. Yeah, look, we, we were so to recap, a very big month. Let's 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 start with the beginning of the month. So we had what the Palestine Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Then there was the Black Palestinian Solidarity Conference, followed by Palestine National Day flag raising, fifteenth of November. The Run for Palestine, seventeenth of November, which was Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, and Hobart, six cities this year, and then it culminated on the twenty-second of November with. Um, the Jerusalem Peace Prize. And on a non, non-Palestinian but Arab uh, event, uh, there was an event uh, on uh, Wednesday, Averroes Center of Arab Culture launch, uh, the launch of Averroes uh, Center yeah. and the fundraiser. So let's start with Palestine Film Festival, the 10th uh, round this year. What yeah. an amazing work. Amazing work. And, you know, magnificently, it, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, um, Adelaide, Perth, and Tasmania. So, so the next day started a big, big, big uh, event uh, that took months and months in the making, the Black Palestinian Solidarity Conference. Chaired uh, by Gar- Professor Gary Foley, who mm-hmm. um, you know, spoke about his, um, his introduction to Palestine in 1973 at Monash University, where he was walking through the campus, and Monash at the time, you know, named after General Monash, uh, an ardent Zionist, uh, Australian Zionist, Australian Jewish Zionist, um, and the Monash campus at the time was a, a hotbed of um, Zionism. That they walked up and they saw a group of people, Gary Foley and I can't remember one of his friends, a group of people beating up Abusing. one person. And he and he said, you know, when you're uh, an Aboriginal in Australia and you see a group of people beating up one person, you know something's not right. And so they went in to grab this one guy, um, whose name is Muhammad Ali. And um, they rescued him, and because they went in to save them, these group, the Zionists, started attacking Gary and his friend. Um, and then once that was happening, that started happening, a whole bunch of other students came, and so it became almost the whole campus, if you will, you're either Zionist or you weren't Zionist, in this melee. Um, so they dragged Muhammad Ali out, and he said, they, Gary said to him, he said, how come these guys are beating you up? He said, well, I'm Palestinian. And mm. uh, this was during the Yom Kippur War. 73. Um, and and that, that was their first encounter. That was his first encounter with a Palestinian. With and some form of, of solidarity with Palestinians. Yeah, yeah. And so along that journey from 1973 till here we are, 2019, you know, some 46 years later, obviously the similarities of our struggles 
against a, a brutal occupying colonialist power that seeks um, not only to um, not sought in the first instance to claim terra nullius that there was uh, nobody on the nobody land the land was empty um, and this is a common story between uh, you know the British that came here and also the Zionists. The Zionists who said that uh, this is a land with no people that for, belongs to people with no land. Yeah, a land without people for a people without land. Yeah. So that's our terra nullis as Palestinians. Um, and along that journey, Gary, obviously, uh, aside from seeing the similarities in our struggles, also in an intersectional basis understood that our struggle as um, Palestinians is intimately linked with the Aboriginal struggle, mm. but also the struggle of all Indigenous peoples to rid themselves of the brutality of colonialism and Western imperialism. The struggle of all victims of colonial imperialism yeah, and uh, yeah. West Papua, Kashmir, you know, uh, Indigenous, the, uh, Indigenous North Americans, and South of America. Americans. Absolutely. Yeah. So one day we will all be free, Yusuf, and it will be a fantastic day because we, we can celebrate. We can, you know, um, one of our jokes, listeners, between uh, Yusuf and I is. When Palestine's free, it's going to be fantastic because, you know, we will barely have to work a day because there'll be so many public <laughs> so holidays. So many holidays, yes. <laughs> Liberation and there day, will Naqsa be day, Naqwa day. Intifa, first Intifada, first second Intifada. And there will be the Independence Day. And Independence Day. And Liberation Day, inshallah. So uh, we will go back to the conference uh, in a future episode uh, because the speakers, the participants who came from around Australia and overseas were just amazing uh, group of people. And uh, it's very um, challenging to summarize what they did in a few minutes. So we'll dedicate an, an episode uh, in future. So after the Black Palestinian Solidarity Conference, then came... The Palestine National Day, the flag-raising ceremony, which has become an institution for us now on the 15th of November every year. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, this year, uh, you know, our desire for celebration was um, dampened because in the days before, the Israelis had decided, you know, it's time to mow the lawn in mm-hmm. Gaza, which is a euphemism for, you know, we need to go kill some Palestinians to win some votes, which uh, um, Benjamin Netanyahu, who, you know, hopefully will be in jail very soon, um, he's been indicted by um, his, the Israeli courts for uh, corruption charges. Bribery. Yeah. Bribery, yeah. Misuse of power. Yeah. Well, in his pursuit of, you know, electoral uh, significance, you know, it's very important to um, every now and again reach Just to Just on this point, Nasser, isn't it sad that for you to get more votes, for you to have more popularity among your constituency, more people have to die? Well, it's, you look... The, the, isn't this really tragic and ironic and sad? Well, it, it, it is very sad. The challenge, you know, the, the sadder thing, aside from the actual deaths, which are, you know, beyond uh, harrowing and, and, and saddening, is that the blood is so cheap that, mm. the, you, know, an entire, you know, eight members of a family. But also it tells you how sick is a society well, that, society you know, cheers sick. and yeah, celebrates yeah. death and, you know, makes you a hero if you kill more of the others that belong to the wrong type mm-hmm. of people, according to them. So anyway, uh, I thought to... Yeah. So w- w- I was going to extend on that, Yusuf, and in mm. fact, mm. that our our collective brown blood is so cheap that it doesn't even rank, you know, a news report. We're more interested in, um, it could be some dog did a trick in Washington or, mm-hmm. you know, um, a turkey being given a pardon by Donald Trump. Is, Everybody is talks about the dog that, you know, died in the... Uh, or was injured. In the opera- or injured. Yeah, in the Conan, Conan, of, the, Conan the dog. Yeah, everybody knows the name of the dog 
who was injured in the operation of al-Baghdadi assassination, but nobody knows any of the names of the 39 Palestinians killed in a few days in Gaza. So whilst it was a somber event, uh, Flag Day, um, you know, hundreds of Palestinians gathered and, you know, we were able to um, sing the national anthem and watch our flag fly proudly over Melbourne, which was great. Um, and then on the 17th of November, we had uh, Melbourne's eighth run for Palestine, uh, which was Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, Perth, Canberra and Hobart. And we raised something of the order of $40,000, close to $40,000 for... Congratulations. Yeah, for the um, uh, Olive Kids uh, charity, which was great. And the tell me more about the project, uh, because this is year... Uh, this is uh, year five or six in the run? Year eight for the run. Year eight? Year eight for the run. Well yeah. done. Um, and Tells you that, you know, I, I'm not doing much of the run. Not much of the running, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the run, I look... Tell, in, tell me how had, it started. So it started, you know, we're, we're always looking for um, ways to celebrate Palestine that aren't um, demonstrations. Because mm-hmm. the reality is, you know, when you think about Palestine and what opportunities have I got to engage in Palestine? The reality is for most um, first and second generations and third generation Palestinians, Australian Palestinians is, you know, we're heading to um, the State Library and because we're going to go say free, free Palestine. protest and uh, anger. We're, we're going to protest over blood. Yeah. And so... Which well, is rightly so and we will continue and, to and do that. And we have to do that, no question. Uh, we'd like not to do it because there was some humanity in the world, but the reality is um, we're, that's inevitable once a year at least that we're going to have to do that. Um, so the the thought was we need to start creating some events that give Palestinians and their supporters an opportunity to come together and have some fun. Yep. You know, detach. And show solidarity you, with show, Palestinians. Show, yeah, show solidarity, but detach um, the need to protest. Mm. Can we get together, show solidarity, have some fun, uh, and, have an, and, and just be Palestinian? And we're, talk we're, Palestine we're, in another venue. In another venue, that's right. So that was one of the... Um, Drivers for the run for Palestine, as well as being a fundraiser. Yeah, um, and and certainly along the journey, um, nationally we we would be we would have raised well over two hundred thousand dollars over the, over the past eight years. So well done, it's been great. So after that, uh, and then we had the conclusion of Palvember um, on the twenty second, uh, which was the Jerusalem Al Quds Peace Prize, um, and this is you know uh, the most salubrious Palestine event. Mm. Uh, in Australia. Which is another venue, I have to say, having been in the Palestine advocacy and activism in the last 15 years uh, in Australia, you know, we don't uh, have much venues where it's a little bit posh and, you know... Well, yes, <laughs> look, Yusuf, I, I, I mean, our, our listeners can go to JerusalemPeacePrize.com, the website, and the videos are not yet uploaded, but I would commend them to uh, visit that website in the next week or so. Um, they can look at Stuart Professor Emeritus Professor Stuart Rees's, um speech for last year, and um, our winner this year, um, Australian Jewish activist and author Anthony Lowenstein's. Uh, Before speech. we talk about the recipients of the prize, I want to talk about the prize. Let's talk about the hall. So, if they watch the video, they can hear the speeches, but you'll also get a sense for Victoria Hall. Now, to give our listeners, I mean, many of our listeners would know, but in fact, um, before Canberra was the capital of Australia, in fact, Melbourne was. Mm. And Victoria Hall was a hall opened by Queen Victoria, and it was where the Victorian, uh, where the Australian First Parliament sat. Mm. It is the most salubrious room in Australia. Uh, in, Vic- in Victoria, definitely. I don't know. I'm stretching. And probably the in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. It, look, it's very old school, imperial, and um, lots of gold, lots of yeah, yeah. prestigious. 
um, very it's all heritage listed. The mosaic in the um, in the foyer, you know, is all hand done. Uh, just the most truly stunning and gorgeous uh, piece of you know late nineteenth century um, British. So by the sound of it. Uh, doesn't sound like one of the venues well, for Palestine. It, 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 it's definitely not a, a, um, something you would um, expect. Yeah, 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 you would you would associate with a, a Palestine event. Yeah. So the, the Jerusalem Peace uh, Prize, the Jerusalem Al Quds Peace Prize, is awarded to an Australian for their work uh, in support of the Palestinians' just rights for um, self determination, for the right of return, for their humanity. And um, interestingly, this year. Um, the Palace, the Jerusalem Peace Prize um, that we are awarded to Anthony Lowenstein on the 22nd of uh, November. In fact, the um, Jewish Board of Deputies, Australia-Israel Jewish Affairs Council and uh, the Zionist Israel Lobby, in fact, uh, gave a Jerusalem Prize as well. This is called the, the Jerusalem Prize. And, um, and ours is Jerusalem Al-Quds Peace Prize. Peace there's, Prize. Yeah, this is not a peace prize. Yeah. And the reason it's not a peace prize is because, you know, this year it was awarded to um, Scott Morrison, has been awarded to such uh, fantastic people as John Howard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you know, uh, Ron Harper, Stephen Harper of Canada, you know, it's you know passed around to people who are sycophantic in their support of Zionism and the State of Israel. And I won't read out... Um, uh, the commentary from uh, um, the quotes from Morrison's speech, but you know it's the sickening stuff of mm. "We'll never leave Israel alone." Uh, the UN is bad. We are you're a beacon of democracy. We've got shared values, and I mean and it's all true. You know your shared values because you've ethnically yeah. cleansed the population to create a uh, settler colonial state mm. on the blood and misery of uh, the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was very interesting, and in fact, we're, we've got an op-ed, we've written an op-ed in um, our president, uh, Bishop George, uh, George, Manning, uh, George Browning, has written an um, op-ed that we're shopping around, endeavouring to, uh, uh, to get in the newspapers. Sadly, I mean, as you might expect, we've already had a couple of no's from uh, mm. the mainstream uh, media. So the first recipient last year was Professor Stuart Rees for mm-hmm. his uh, great work during the Sydney Peace Prize, Peace Prize and Hanan Ashrawi. Yeah. But also for, for, I mean, this, for human, uh, standing uh, for human a, rights a, in a general. Be- a beacon of humanity is uh, yeah, Stuart yeah. Rees. Yeah. Um, and, and this and year, yeah, and, go on. And, 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 you know, he stand for, all, for a lot of causes, from the environment yeah. to West Papua, from Palestine to Kashmir. This is a man of unparalleled humanity. Mm. Um, and and uh, this year, um, Anthony Lowenstein was awarded the prize. Um, and, and he's done a power of work. From the first instance, you know, his first book, My Israel Question, where he... Um, he what, the what? listeners need to know that we're talking about a member of the Jewish community of Melbourne. Well, and a Zionist Jewish community. Like, he was, his family was a Zionist family. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, his first interaction with, you know... Something's not quite right here. And then his personal journey and exploration that ultimately saw not just himself, but his mother and father expelled, excommunicated from the, the, the community, the Zionist community. Um, and that was a price they had to pay supporting their son for uh, when he saw the light. Mm. Um, and certainly it was a great honor for us to uh, bestow that award on him. I just uh, want to say that one of the um, 
members of the Jewish community who support the Palestinian rights for 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 independence uh, when she or he I'm not gonna give an indication of who that person is when she or he participated in our uh, protest in 2013 this person uh, received a text message from the father uh, and uh, that person showed me that message and it said by you going to a Palestine event, it's like a dagger stabbed in my heart. There is a level of difficulty and pain that every Jew or Israeli that comes and supports us have to pay for standing with us that we don't know of. Yeah. And Anthony, what's well, it's very that's very brave. I mean, look, it's it's easy for us to pontificate from the outside, Yusuf. You know, we're mm. Palestinian, go, we're right. I mean, they're saying they're right. We've got to be realistic. Course, Human course. beings are human beings. Yeah? yeah, we know we're right though, and we know they're wrong. So it's much easier for us. Um, but for, for to leave the your family, you know, for your father to send you a text message like that, mm. for your mother and father, and you know, Anthony spoke about it in the in the. Um, uh, at the in his speech, the reality his mother passed three years ago. The 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 funeral was very poorly attended mm. because her life's friends didn't had, have have long since you know forsaken her. So it's not an huge, easy thing huge, to do. Huge, huge price. Yeah, it's a huge price. Definitely a worthy recipient. So congratulations, Nasser, and everybody for uh, trying to put together this wonderful uh, events in one month. No, no, it's very, very busy. So make sure you go to the website, uh, JerusalemPeacePrize.com, and have a look at the videos in the next week or so. In mm. particular, you know, watch out for my, my speeches. They're, they're really great, great fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching your speech when it's uploaded because, unfortunately, I missed out. So, well, which is not uh, good, you know? No solidarity. Yeah, no, it's terrible. <laughs> Yusuf left early, everybody. Yusuf left early. He had, no, he everybody had, a, he had a hot date. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that didn't go well. Uh, before that, Nasser, there was a very important key Palestinian figure mm-hmm. who visited Australia for the first time, Salman Abu Sitta. Yes, uh, uh, Dr. Salman Abu Sitta, who um, is well into his 80s and is the uh, president of the Palestine Land Society and the author of the seminal book, The Palestine Atlas. And also the president of Al Auda Center in Al-Auda, London. Yeah, yeah, the return center. This is a man of such um, grace and decorum, but also such a learned man. And he gave the 14th Edward Said Memorial Lecture, uh, lecture in Adelaide, uh, which has been organized by the Australian Friends of Palestine Association. There's a famous saying in uh, Islamic jurisprudence about the importance of Malik uh, ibn Anas. <clears throat> when uh, somebody, uh, and, and the saying says, you do not seek fatwa when Malik is in town. And we say, you don't talk about the right of return when Salman Abu Sitta is around. Mm-hmm. He is the address yes, for the right of return particularly. Absolutely. And look, he, he gave a fantastic uh, presentation in Melbourne. Um, and uh, the, the, the theme of which was about the, the right of return. And because it's such an important, um, such an important tenant as to... Um, uh, the solution, because without the right of return or without a just resolution, there is no justice. And if there is no all, justice, there's no peace. There's also, uh, this right of return is surrounded by propaganda. 
something like there will be no room for uh, and, and this is important this is where he and addresses there's a long list of yeah, yeah. Uh, propaganda and stereotypes and absolutely and this and he finishes on a very strong point which i'm very keen to get to yusuf but so the premise of his speech is that you know that what we have is an occupation and um an ethnic cleanse that's unsurpassed in history there was a premeditation in the plan in the 30s and 40s the preparation was done to make sure that, that when the time was right, that Plan Dalit, uh, organised by David Ben-Gurion, could be enacted. It was supported by colonial powers. It's been maintained for seven decades. There's so many resolutions in favour of us that haven't been implemented. I mean, they went you know, into Iraq immediately. And the second time without... Uh, without even a mandate. Without, without a mandate from the UN. Mm. Um, UN Resolution 194, which is the right of Palestinian refugees to return to their homes... And to get compensated. ...and or be compensated, has been reaffirmed by the United Nations over 125 times. 125 times. Still nothing. And this is the prerequisite of Israel joining the UN. Correct. So, listeners, for Israel to become a member of the United Nations... There was a condition. ...a precondition on their acceptance and uh, elevation to... Uh, a, a state in the United Nations uh, General Assembly was the, uh, the fulfillment of 194, which is still now 72 years, it's kind of coming up to now, undone. The partition plan was a recommendation. It has no legal authority. In fact, in March of 48, the US dropped the partition plan. The ethnic cleansing started before the State of Israel was declared. State of Israel is declared May 15. The ethnic cleansing starts at Deir Yassin and in the days earlier in April. And in fact, it started six weeks a, a few days even after the partition plan in November 47. 47, correct. Yeah. And this is, you know, days, months even, before a single Arab soldier set foot in Palestine, yeah. which is, you know, the uh, the propaganda pro- uh, disseminated by the Zionists that, you know, there was Seven Arab armies invaded us. As if. Um, and that they, the the... The creation was in self-defense. There was no self-defense. No. Um, there's a, there was 120,000 Israeli soldiers, officers from World War II that had been fighting all over the world. So they were battle-hardened, 120,000 with equipment, with 10 years of planning, and had fought in uh, regular armies through World War II. And even aided, versus, even aided by foreign soldiers, including Soviet Union soldiers. Correct. Now, now we see documents coming yeah. out that there were Soviet Union uh, soldiers sent by Stalin to aid the uh, Zionists in mm-hmm. 47 and 48. And the reality, you know, that myth that it's a land without people for people without land, they found the people there. But to make the land, they had to make it a land without people, which necessitated the ethnic cleansing. Because without ethnic cleansing, there is no Israel. Yep. And this is even the confession of uh, the Zionist leaders like Menachem Begin. Without their Yassin, their Israel would not have been born. Correct. Um, in excess of 85 and up to almost 88% of all of the Palestinian refugees live within a very narrow band around Palestine. So the cost of physical movement is very cheap. Most refugees don't need to fly. Many of them can just walk home. Um, the denying of the uh, the right of return is a war crime. The Rome Statute says international law sits solidly behind the Palestinians. There's no legal, no economic, no um, geographic, no logistical reason why the Palestinians can't go home. There's only one obstacle, 
Zionism and the racist nature of Zionism, the concept of an apartheid colonialism that precludes Palestinians returning. Because if Palestinians come back, Jews are no longer a majority. majority. It's no longer a Jewish state. And to maintain the superiority of the Jew within that land, we need to keep it clean of Arabs, whether, whether Muslims or Christians. And the reality, as we know, and we talk about peace with justice, it only happens with the return. And, and this is one of the one of the things he addressed, and he addressed so so skillfully, is the concept that the Palestinian return will equal a Jewish Nakba. And and this is a falsehood. This is predicated on us having Zionist mentalities. When in the reality, when the Jews came to Palestine after World War One and into World War Two, initially there was no challenge. Because we're protecting no, them like we protected the Armenians and, and the Circassians, and the, the list goes on. And and you know when often it's you know termed in you know as a conflict and it's too hard and it's way over there. The reality is a burglar comes to your house, kills half your family, kicks out the rest of you, moves in, moves all of the remaining uh, living ones into one room, locks them in there. Um, denies, chooses how much uh, food can go in or out, when you can come in or out, uh, how often you can be in or out. Nobody would accept that. That's not justice. But that's the reality on a very simple scale of what Palestine has been through. The very, very um, uh, salient point in how um, he closed his uh, uh, presentation is in 1948, the Jews of Palestine owned less than 7% of Palestine. They ended up with 78%. That 71 is illegal. Illegal under international law. The 7% that they owned, today, today, 2019, 87% of the Jews of Israel live within, not the 7%, but around 10 or 11%. Mm. So that initial 7% has grown a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tel Aviv's grown, Jaffa's grown, um, you know, the sections around in the, in the north, in the Galilee have grown. Um, but of the 7% that they did own, if you extended that to around 11%, 87% of the Jews of Israel live in that area, mm. which leaves all of the other bit. Uninhabited. Well, inhabited with 13%. Mm. Yeah. So we're talking 6 million people. 13% is, you know, less than a million. Just over, is about 800,000 of them. 800,000 are living in 89% mm-hmm. that was not theirs. Mm. So the reality is that in excess, in excess of 80, and upwards of 90% of Palestinians can return to dirt. Yep. Now, there is still 10% that are going to go back and say, get out of my house, and they have to get out. Including my grandfather. Correct. In Safad. Yep. The, the colonialist that is sitting illegally in somebody else's home has to get out and pay compensation. But something of the order of high 80s, 90% of the Palestinians can go back to their farms, to villages that were raised, and rebuild their homes. And mm. the money that they spend today giving to Israel, this is nothing he said, the $3 billion, $4 billion a year, over 10 years, $40 billion, will build 1 million accommodation properties, which will house 6 million Palestinians. Mm. Because In 10 years, we solve the right of return. Uh, we can create a constitution that protects everybody, a separation of church and state. Everybody's happy. Uh, or, or the money uh, dedicated by the Americans in the deal of the century, 40 billion US dollars, you know, can go into something like, it's what, a real solution. The, the solution is very clear and easy. 
And I'm I'm very optimistic, having seen uh, Dr. Salman Abusita's work and the presentation that he presented to us. It's it's only a function of time. So the bottom line is for the Zionists: uh, get your facts right before you talk about. Uh, well, I mean, they, they, you have the reality. We know, you know, facts. We can't let facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Nasser, this is a very important uh, uh, cause. The Palestinian cause itself is uh, made up of important pillars. One of the most fundamental pillars is the right of return. And with the work of Salman Abusitta and with your statement that makes us optimistic and hopeful that the day will come and that Palestinian refugees will return. There's no better statement to end this episode uh, with Nasser. Thank you so much for uh, this uh, reflections on a great month for Palestine. And thank you for our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Palestine Remembered. Until next Saturday, this is Nasser Youssef and Robert wishing you the best of time and salam.